today we are continuing our series at the movies. And so uh, today is Mission Impossible. Now, I, I love the Mission Impossible uh, movie series. As a matter of fact, did, did y'all know there's another one coming out in 2018? So kind of getting excited about that. So that'll be, a lot of, that'll be a lot of fun. But the thing that I like about the Mission Impossible series is that a couple of things. One, I love, the, I love the music. And then I like the idea of them getting an assignment that it's, it's impossible for them to fulfill it. And yet somehow by the end of the movie, they are able to do the impossible you know, and make it possible. Now we all like it whenever we see something that we think is impossible and then we see it become possible. Um, I can give you an example of this. In, in my own life, one, now I've shared with you all before, one thing I like to do is I like to, I like to play golf. Now, I'm not good at it or anything, but it's fun to play. And there's some guys from church that I will play with who are pretty serious about golf. And so uh, I watch them play. I've seen a couple of the guys play that have uh, actually made holes in one. Now for me, whenever I come up to like a par three, my hope is just that I'm going to like get near the green, right? And so that's, you know, that is, uh, that's almost like the impossible becoming the possible. Well, in May, uh, and y'all might have heard the story before, but just in case you've forgotten, I'm going to share it with you again. In May, I was playing with three guys from church. And so we came to hole number eight, Tall Pines, Columbia Country Club. It's like 244 yards, or maybe it's 144 yards. And so uh, I, I came up to the tee, and I, I hit the ball. It was like in the general direction of like the flag. Okay, you know, I've been playing long enough that like my first thought is not, oh yeah, that's probably in. You know, I was like, hey, that's good. That might be on the green. And so I hit the ball up there. I was like, a pretty good shot. And so we drive up to the green and I'm looking, I don't see my ball on the green. And I'm like, what is up with that? So because I was so confident, the first thing I do is I walk to the back trap and I'm looking for my ball and I don't see it anywhere. And then uh, Gary Collins said, why don't you look in the hole? Now I know that Gary didn't mean that. But he said, why don't you look in the hole? And so I walked over there, I looked in the hole, and ladies and gentlemen, the impossible became possible. I mean, it was unbelievable. I had a hole in one. Now, there's a, a guy in our church named Todd Little, and uh, Todd, is, uh, Todd was trying to put a little damper on my experience. And Todd said, why is it that the guys that get holes in one are always the guys that shoot like 120? And so that's what he says. And then, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I, I forgive Todd because he doesn't have the experience of belonging to that exclusive club, you know, like me and a few others of us. But, you know, it's just, it's always fun whenever you see something that's impossible when it becomes possible. Now, there is a spiritual element to this, and that, which works out well for me because I got to tell you that story again, but it also ties in to our text today. And if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to look in verse number 22. And, uh, and what we're doing today is we're going to see that God calls, he calls his people, he calls Christians, he calls the church, more specifically, he calls village church to take that which is impossible and make it possible. He gives us a mission that seems impossible, but when God gets involved in it, it is very possible. Now you might say, what is the mission for Village Church? And it's not just Village Church. It's for every Christian. It's for every church. And it's Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus told his followers, he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So very simply put, here, here is our mission in general. Our mission is to point people to Jesus and to lead people to Jesus Christ. Now that, that doesn't seem like that, that complicated of a mission. It's pretty cut and dried. And yet whenever we get out there and we begin to try and fulfill that mission, man, things can get, things can get complicated and things can become difficult. And so today I just want us to know a few things or see a few things that we ought to know about the mission that God has for his people. And so that's why we're going to look today in our passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 14 in verse number 22. And so if you turn there, I'm going to give you a little bit of background information about what has just happened. And so Jesus is with his disciples and just in the preceding verses... Jesus was up on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he just gotten finished feeding about, if you include women and children, about fifteen to 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And so he takes, you know, he takes a very impossible task. And whenever he gets involved in it, it becomes possible. And he multiplies five loaves of bread and two fish and he feeds just a score of people. Now, after he does that, he goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and his disciples get in a boat, and they begin to make their way across the Sea of Galilee. Now, whenever you say the Sea of Galilee, you know, my mind, I, I just think of this huge sea. It's really a small lake. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is only 13 miles long. It's seven miles across. And where it's located, you have Mount Hermon up uh, in, in Syria, not that far away. It's over 10,000 feet tall. And so whenever weather comes over Mount Hermon and comes over uh, from, the, uh, from, the, uh, from the east, it, it creates a, a, just like this bowl of, of wind. And when it hits the Sea of Galilee, it makes a huge storm. And so that's what happened to the disciples. They got caught in this huge windstorm. And they were being beaten and battered by the waves. And so it's in this story, and it's on this mission that the disciples are on, that we can learn a few things about our mission. And so you might say, well, if, if God has a mission for me, what are some things I need to know about the mission that God has for me, for my life, and for our church? Very first thing I think we can see in this story that we can learn about our mission is this. Sometimes our mission that God gives us can be tough. Sometimes a mission that comes from God can be difficult. Now, let me, let me read to you, starting in verse 22. It says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. It's like fifteen to 20,000 people. And after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Now, at the very beginning, Jesus gave his disciples a mission. And it was really, when you look at it, it was a pretty simple mission. He, Jesus had just gotten finished feeding 20, you know, fifteen to 20,000 people. He told his disciples, he said, get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake. I mean, that was the mission that they were given. You might say, well, how was that a tough mission? I mean, is it really, was it really that tough of a mission? Well, there's a little background to this part as well. And the same story is told in the book of John. In John chapter 6, it says, 
When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Okay, so here's here's what happened. Jesus feeds all these people. The people get excited. And they're like, we're going to grab Jesus by force and we're going to make him king. Now the disciples would have been for this. The disciples were always looking for Jesus to set up his kingdom. I mean, they wanted Jesus to become the king. They wanted Jesus to kick out the occupying force of Israel at this time, which were the Romans. And they're thinking, if Jesus does this, we got, you know, we got a little background here. You know, we're, we're in tight with Jesus, so maybe he'll give us places of leadership. So they were excited about it. But before all the commotion got started, Jesus was like, this is not my mission. And so we've got to get out of here. So Jesus said, I'm going to go to a mountainside to pray. You get in a boat and you go to the other side. Now, the disciples, they, they still didn't get the message. I mean, even after Jesus has been resurrected from the dead later on, they still want Jesus to make himself king. In Acts 1.6, it says, So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? So that they had a different mission in mind than what God had for them. And, and, and there are times whenever I wish, you know, I just wish Jesus would, would show up here today, like right now, and just make everything better. You know, I'd like for him to be in charge right now. And then for everybody in the world who thinks that people like us are wrong, that we can go, yeah, look right there. You think I'm wrong, and Jesus is here now. And so, you know, it's just sort of this, this thing where I think if Jesus just shows up, then it's going to make everything better. But, you know, there are times when Jesus will call us on a mission, and everything doesn't become easy. There are times when he will give you an assignment, when he will call you to a task, and it's difficult. I mean, if you look in verse number 24, you see the, the disciples get in a boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. When they're only about a mile offshore, all of a sudden their boat begins to get battered by the waves. Now, they got in the boat, but here's what's interesting to me. Who told them to get in the boat to go to the other side? Y'all know who it was? It's Jesus. So they're being obedient to Jesus... And then they find themselves caught up in the midst of a storm. Now, sometimes God will call you and me and this church to a mission that's going to be tough, that's going to be difficult. And so I look at that and I think, why? Now, I don't know how y'all are. I know how I am. I am built for comfort, right? I'm not built to be tough. That's other people. I I want things to be easy. My motto is there's got to be an easier way. Okay, but then I look in our text and then I see that Jesus sometimes will call you to a mission that is difficult. Why would God do that? And here's what I believe. I believe there are times when God will call us to a difficult mission in order to purify us. In order to get us to get rid of of the junk in our lives so that all we are doing is depending upon Jesus over everything else. Now, I read an interesting uh, story about silver and how they purify silver. 
And in the old days, what they'd do is they'd take silver and they would heat it up. I don't know what the degree was, the temperature was, but they would heat it up until it becomes liquid. And it's like, they call it liquid, liquid ore. And so what happens is that all the, they call it the dross or the impurities in the silver will, will come up and you can skim the impurities out of that silver. Now the question is, how did they know when the silver had been purified? And I thought this was interesting. The way you knew the silver was purified was whenever you looked into the liquid, the ore, the silver ore, and when you saw your reflection in the ore, you knew it, you knew it had been purified. Now, I believe that that is exactly what God does with us. You know, God will allow us to go sometimes through fires in life to purify us. How do we know when we're purified? Whenever God is able to look into your life and to my life and he sees himself and not you, then we've been purified. In Malachi 3, 2 through 3, it says, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like cleansing lye. He will be like a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And when he does that, it says, Then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. There are times when God will call us to a mission that is tough. But he will do it in order to purify us so that we can give him offerings of righteousness. Now, sometimes the calling God has for your life and mine is going to be tough. But there's another thing about the mission we can learn. And that is sometimes the mission that God gives us, it, it will require reassurance. Because when God gives a mission, God gives big missions. And sometimes we need to be reassured, did you really give this mission to me, Lord? Uh, verse number 25, it says, Around three in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now Jesus had given the disciples a mission, and when he gave it to them, they end up in a storm. Now I don't know about you, but if, I, if, I, if I'm doing something I feel like God's called me to do, and then I'm finding myself in the midst of a storm, one of my first thoughts is, am I doing what God wants me to do? Because I'm thinking, you know, if God called me to get in a boat and go to the other side, that means it's going to be nice and peaceful over there. It's better. And then I get caught in a storm like, Did God, is, God am, I doing, am, I, am I doing what you really want me to do? And, and whenever we go through those times, God will reassure us. That, that, that word reassurance, it means the action of removing someone's doubts and fears. So what did Jesus do to reassure them? He shows up in a pretty dramatic way. Jesus, I'm going to reassure you. And he shows up at 3 o'clock in the morning, walking on water. Now, you th would that get your attention? Oh, you get the disciples' attention, all right. They start screaming out, it's a ghost. You know, and, and Jesus like, it's not a ghost, it's me. Now, now why was Jesus walking on water? I mean, you're like, because you're thinking, he's showing off here, right? I mean, this is a pretty good story. But here, here's the deal. I, what were the disciples afraid of? The wind and the waves. So what's Jesus doing? He's walking on the water saying, you're afraid of the wind and the waves, but when I'm around, he said, I just walk on this stuff. Now, you're fearful and you're scared, but I want to reassure you and let you know that when I call you to a mission, I am greater than the mission I've called you to. Have you ever been, have you ever been called to a mission before where you sense God leading you to do something and, and then doubts begin to creep into your mind about the mission that you're on? I, I remember whenever I, this is, a, there's a couple of things. 
Um, I remember several missions I've been on. I, was, I remember I was on a mission in order to win Emily over. And then one of her friends gave me the death sentence, you know, statement. She wants to be your friend. Ugh. You know, okay, I was like, that's not the mission. I ain't on that mission. You know, I'm not in the friend zone mission. And so, but here's the deal. I persevered. A little bit unsettling, but I persevered. And then my charm took over. Okay, then the other mission that I was on. I believe God called me into ministry which I don't know why he did. I just had that sense. And I, I went to seminary, and I remember when I was in seminary, I took this class, and I was talking to a professor, and he told me this. My first semester in seminary, he said, I don't think God's called you into ministry. And you think, no, that was a little bit unsettling. Um, I remember when I was going through marriage counseling, one of the pastors, he gave us a personality test. This won't surprise you. He gave us a personality test after he read mine. He said, I don't think you have the personality to be a pastor. Okay, those things are a little disturbing. But I also have to laugh. So those things are a little bit disturbing. But you know what? I, I really believe that was the mission God called me to. And so I said, God, I believe you've called me to this. Now, th there's some storms coming up here, but I, I want to persevere and do what I believe you've called me to do. Okay, I look at the disciples. God gave them a mission. They get caught up in a storm. But here's what's neat to me about them. They didn't quit. It, they still had the oars in the water. And they're still trying to get to the other side, even though they have doubts. And in the midst of their doubts, then Jesus shows up walking on water, and they were terrified. They were scared to death. Now, this is a little bit out of the ordinary, to say the least, but that's why Jesus said this. If you look into our text, Jesus said, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, the key words to me, other than you know, not, just don't be afraid, have courage. Here's the key word is when Jesus said, it is I. You know, another translation of that is I am. Jesus said, I am. Now, what's, what's the big deal about that? The, that, that, that word, I, or those words, I am, they're very big in Scripture. As a matter of fact, Exodus 3, 13 through 14 tells us the significance of the, of the name of the words I am. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am it is the name of God. So when Jesus said, don't be afraid, I am. Jesus was saying, don't be afraid, because I'm God. And I'm with you. He was giving them reassurance that if God is with us, then there is nothing that can be against us. They had no reason to fear, even in the storms, because God was with them. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? You know, we have no reason to be fearful at the mission that God gives us. If God calls you to share your faith, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. You know, when, when we begin to understand more and more that we live and that we die, we don't have to be afraid because Jesus has promised his people eternal life. He gives us assurance for the future that even as we go through storms, he will be there, that he will see us through. You know, and I, I read a story about World War II as they were coming near the end of the war. They were running out of soldiers, and so the Nazis began to get 12- and 13-year-old boys to serve in what they called the Junior Gestapo. 
And they, they had to do in, just absolutely inhumane things. Those little boys did. And they, they were living under incredible hardship. They didn't have enough food to feed the boys. The boys were basically were starving. By the time the war came to an end, those boys didn't have anywhere to go. And so a, a, basically a hospital took them in. And what they discovered about the boys is they were, they were broken mentally and they were broken physically. And every night those boys would, be, they would have night terrors. They would be screaming in the night. And the doctor finally figured out what to do. He, he would feed the boys a really big meal before they went to bed. And then when they went to bed, he would give them a piece of bread. And he'd say, sleep with this bread, and when you wake up in the morning, you'll have something to eat. So those boys never knew if they were ever going to be able to eat again. And so they were always scared. So when the doctor gave them an assurance that everything would be fine tomorrow, he said the boys quit crying at night. And in a sense, that's what Jesus does with us. Jesus gives us a hope for tomorrow so that we don't cry through the night. So that we know that we can live and have purpose for tomorrow. We don't have to live in fear of failure. Now, Jesus, he gives us a mission. He gives you a mission. He gives our church a mission, his believers a mission. Sometimes that mission is tough. Mission requires reassurance. But here's another one. It's really important. Our mission, when you, when you know what God's mission is for you and for, for me and for our church, our mission, if we're going to fulfill it, it has to be performed in his power, not ours. When God gives a mission, it's got to be performed in his power, not ours. So in verse 28 and 29, we see this. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water, and he came toward Jesus. I, I like this guy. This guy's crazy. Peter is just, I mean, he's so impulsive. They're in the middle of a storm. The boat's bobbing up and down. They're all you know, scared to death. They think they see a ghost. And he says, no, it's me. And then just Peter, Mr. I believe everything. Peter says, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Tell me to come to you, and I'll, I'll walk out to you. Jesus says, have courage. It is I. You know what Peter does? Peter took Jesus at his word. He said, have courage. It is I. Can you imagine what it would be like if we were like Peter and we would take Jesus at his word? Now, it's, y'all, we can talk. I can talk a big game. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in him. I believe that when he gives promises that he keeps them. Okay, Peter is on a boat that looks like it's getting ready to be flooded. He's going down. And then Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to get out of this boat so I can walk on water too. I love that. I mean, he, he didn't just talk. I mean, he didn't just say that. Y'all, the next thing he did, Jesus said, it's me. And and Peter actually swings a leg over the side of the boat, and he gets out. Now, he knew that this was a game changer for Peter because Peter knew this. He knew this is going to be my chance to do something big. This is going to be my chance to do something nobody else has ever done. And he knew I can't do this in my own power. But if Jesus tells me to come to him, I know because his power will work in me that I will be the first man ever to walk on water. And so he had a mission. It's an impossible mission. But Peter believed in Jesus' power. And he got out of the boat and he began to walk. Now let me tell you something. If I do things in my own power, I'm greatly limited. 
If I do things in my own power, I can, I can tell you who I am. You know, I, I am fearful. I am na- naturally self-protective. I am naturally only looking out for my interest. But whenever I trust in the power of God, listen to what Bible sa- the Bible says about it. Luke one twenty seven says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, Peter heard things like this from Jesus, and Peter acted on that. Nothing will be impossible with God. Philippians 4.13 what does this say? It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. When a person is infused with the power of God, they will do more and go further than someone else who is not. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter knew if he just got out there on his own, he was, he was going to sink. He's like, but if I come out in the power of Jesus, I can walk on water. When God gives a mission, it is a big mission. It is a mission that will be bigger than you. And if you will trust in him, you will do far greater things than you could have ever imagined. So what do we need to know about our mission? Well, sometimes a mission is tough. Mission it will require reassurance because God gives big missions. And that next thing I see is that our mission is to be performed in his power, not ours. And then here's the final thing. Our mission always has a safety net. Now, I like this. Our mission always has a safety net. Verses 30 through 33. But when he saw the strength of the wind, this was Peter, it says he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Okay, Village Church, I believe this, we have a big mission. Our mission is to engage our culture with the good news of Jesus. That's, we have a mission to do that. Now, I will say this. It is much easier to live life, to go through life, without having a mission. Because if you don't have a mission, that means you cannot screw up. If you don't have a mission, you will never fail. If you don't have a mission, you're never going to irritate somebody. You can just kind of go through life and be totally vanilla and never upset or bother anyone or have a fear of failure. But if I'm going to be obedient to Jesus, I've been called to be a light. And if I'm going to be a light, that means I've got to put and we've got to put ourselves in places where the light of Jesus will shine in our culture. Why? So that people, not so they can see us, so they can see Jesus. We're going to make a difference? We've got to shine. You know, I, I like big ideas. I like thinking about big things. But you know what happens whenever it comes time? If we say we're going to do big things and we get ready to do big things, you know what happens to me right before we do them? I get nervous. And I start thinking, what if this doesn't work? You know, what if I fall on my face? What if I fail? Okay, Peter... Had a mission. He got out of the boat. He begins to walk, and then I believe that as he's walking, he begins to think like I do. He began to look around, going, this is nuts. What am I doing out here? The waves are lapping up against him. The wind's blowing. His focus shifted from Jesus to what was around him, and he began to sink. Now, it's real easy to be critical of Peter here. And sit there and look at him and go, man, what a, what a, what a sucker. I mean, he actually thought he could get out on a boat and walk around for a while and not go under. 
Easy to sit there and say that about Peter. I would have been one of the other guys, one of the 11 in the boat, sitting there laughing, going, I can't believe he actually did it. But here's the deal. The other 11 guys, they never walked on water. Only one guy did. Now you say, but he began to sink. Yeah, but here's the neat thing. When he began to sink, he yelled out to Jesus, Lord, save me. What did Jesus do? Reached down and grabbed him. Guys, when God calls you to a mission, he will always be with you. And even whenever you stumble, if you call out to Jesus, Jesus will reach down. He's your safety net. He'll rescue you. Jesus never will call you to a mission that cannot be fulfilled. He will never call you to do something that he will not enable you to do. When God gives you a mission, when he gives us church a mission, it will be fulfilled if we trust him. And even if we stumble and fall, when we call out to him, he will rescue us. See, Jesus is above any circumstances we face. Now, he might call out to us and say, when he sees us sinking, he might say, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But he's still going to take you by the hand and save you. He's still going to lift us up. So what does this mean for us? Well, a couple things. With God, there is no mission that is impossible. Okay, I said, does God have a mission for us? Does God have a mission for you? If you follow Jesus, let me tell you something. God has a mission for you. Now, speaking to all of us, God has a mission for Village Church. And I believe the mission that God has for Village Church is big. God has big, God has big mission for Village Church. God never calls us to be small. He calls us to be big. Not, not in our own power. Our, our God's a big God. Our God's significant. So, so what does he call us to do? God calls us to be a light in this community. Okay, so then how do we be a light? That's easy to say, but what does that mean? He calls us, God has a mission for Village Church to engage the culture in which we live. We live right here. God calls us to engage the culture. Now, we're going to be talking about this more when we get into September, about how we do that. And we call it C4. You know, our, our campuses and care and, and civics. And, and, and so the, what are we going to do? We're going to have tables set up where you can go and you can begin to get involved in those ministries. But God's called us to engage culture. We don't just sit here. Yeah, we go out and we engage. Now, are there going to be some people that are not going to like that? Yeah, there are. You know, some people are going to try, to try to thwart us. And I'm not saying that we need to go out you know, looking for people to beat us down. But we need to understand, when, when we are on mission for God, not everybody's going to like it. But you know what? If God calls us to it, it will be fulfilled. Hey, I believe this. I believe God has called our church to a big mission and that we, we even extend beyond this area right here. I believe God will call us and continue to call us to be a part of helping new places begin in worship so that new places of worship and new places, new bodies of believers can be established outside of this area here so that more and more people will see Jesus. Now, is that, is that possible? You know, in our own power, I'm going to say this, I really don't think it is. But in God's power it is. What else is God going to call us to do? I, I believe God's going to be laying on more and more of our hearts to be obedient and telling our friends about Jesus and praying for our friends. And I believe that a result of that is that our mission at Village Church, I believe our mission, our calling, is that we ought to see at least 100 people every year 
come into a relationship with Jesus Christ every year. Is that possible on our own? I, I don't think it is. Is it possible with Jesus? Absolutely. Guys, God calls us to a big mission. Can we do it on our own? No. But let me close with this verse, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now I, 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 do, I do look forward to this. I look forward to the mission that God has called us to. Because let me tell you something. My hope for you and for me is that we will tackle the mission that God puts before us and that at the end of this year and next year and every year that we will be a church, we will look back and we'll see the mission that God's called us to and that we will say this. We'll look back and we'll say, holy cow, God did that. Not I did that. Not that our church did it. But that we will look back and we will see things happen and be accomplished where we say, God did that. Mission impossible. But with God, all things are possible. My hope is we will be more and more like Peter. And we'll say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. And then we will walk on water. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for, for your word. I am grateful that you have, Lord, you are big God. And Father, I'm afraid that so many times we, we become afraid of that which is big and we try to whittle you down to a small size where we can handle it. But God, when we do that, we miss out on the power and the presence and the strength of God. Jesus, I pray that we will see our mission as a church and God, that we will go after it. Saying with, with man, a lot of things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Lord, may we look back at the end of every year and may we say, God, you did that. And I pray this in Christ's name.